Hello and Happy New Year and welcome to The Greatest Show on Grass, a podcast that covers the Los Angeles Rams in light of the team's history. I wanted to start today's episode with a trip into the not-so-deep past to relive a certain prediction I made on episode 14. I um I think this year we're going to weed out the bandwagon fans from the totally. diehards. Uh, I'm not sure um, that's what the team wants to be doing. I think the team just wants as many fans as they can they can get. So I think we're looking at a 4 and 12 mm. year. I think we're going to beat the teams in our division once. I was about to say yeah, looking for the And then split. I think we're going to beat Carolina. So, and I think we're going to have a very high pick in the next year draft that we then send to someone. Uh, uh, well, or, no, it's already sent. To, oh, that's right. Because yeah. of the Goff mm-hmm. uh, trade, it's going to the Tennessee Titans. I think uh, they're, it, that Goff deal, I didn't like it when it was made. Uh, I think he's going to be a good quarterback, so I don't think he's a Jamarcus Russell, but I think uh, oh, it's going to sting still for a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, I don't think 4-12 and 12 is even an outrageous thing to say. I think the outrageous part is that Fisher's probably going to get an extension. <laughs> Yes, after Christmas Eve Day and New Year's Day losses to the 49ers and Cardinals, the Rams ended their first season back in Southern California after 21 in St. Louis with a 4-12 record, just as I predicted before the season. I had them beating the Seahawks, Cardinals, Panthers, and Niners. They ended up beating the Seahawks, Cardinals, Buccaneers, and Jets. SB Nation's Turf Show Times had the Rams at 7-9. and nine. Fearsome Football, formerly Bring Back the LA Rams, had them at 10-6. and six. And, of course, Jeff Fisher himself was looking forward to something in the neighborhood of 10-6, and six, if you believe what he proclaimed during a team meeting on Hard Knocks. I'm starting the show this way not to brag about what a big shot I am with my predictions. Believe me, I'm not. I had the Cardinals beating the Patriots in the Super Bowl this year, and the Cardinals didn't even make the playoffs. And the Pats are pretty much my default AFC pick. But I think there's a huge lesson to be learned about how we experience the Rams. This team, perhaps more than any other in the NFL, tempts you to confuse reality and fantasy, to lose track of reason under the bright California sun and glitter of Tinseltown. The L.A. Rams are an epistemological problem. That problem might have originated in August of 1948 when running back and former art student Fred Gerke painted the team's logo on their helmets, making them the first NFL team to do so. But this didn't end up just as a shrewd brand strategy. It impacted the way these West Coast transplants would be experienced on the field. Wearing horns on their helmets... It was as if they weren't just called Rams. It was as if they were Rams. Gerke's handiwork tempted onlookers to confuse reality with fantasy, or at least to blur the two. And it's a theme that's made its way through Rams history. And I think it's what makes many unable to come to terms with the reality of who this team really is. There was a fantasy that Jared Goff was cast as a Ryan Gosling-style matinee idol for the Coliseum stage. But Goff's La La Land ended up the farthest thing from a song and dance show. The Rams were a catastrophic mess in 2016, finishing with their 13th consecutive losing season. For the second straight year, 
They were the NFL's 32nd ranked offense. And this is where it stung the most. They didn't just lose. They lost in the most unentertaining way imaginable. The least Hollywood way imaginable. Think about the Rams' 2016 season. The coolest stuff happened off the field, whether it was the broadcast of HBO's Hard Knocks or Hollywood and Football on E!, the return of L.A. fans who transformed the Rams from the worst-drawing NFL team in 2015 to the NFL's second in home attendance and fourth in total attendance for 2016, or the reemergence of Eric Dickerson, who, almost 30 years from last carrying the ball for the Rams in Southern California, proved to be the team's most bankable and relevant star, and arguably did more to impact the future of the team than any of its current players. The Rams were three-point favorites against San Francisco on Christmas Eve day at the Coliseum in front of 83,656, including actress and singer-songwriter Catherine McPhee, who sang the national anthem, and actor and restaurateur Danny Trejo, who sold tacos from his food truck. The 49ers went into the game having lost 13 straight games since humiliating the Rams 28 to nothing in the season opener. The 49ers defense had 11 different running backs rush for 100 plus yards this year and going into the game had already set their franchise single season record for rushing yards allowed. Todd Gurley, who had 47 yards on 2.8 yards per carry in the first game, ended up with 67 on 2.9 yards per carry in this one. The Rams got off to a strong start. They were up 14-7 to at halftime, but the turning point of the game seemed to come when Kenny Britt aggravated a shoulder injury in the third quarter. Britt ended up catching one of four targets for 15 yards before exiting the game. That one catch, perhaps not coincidentally, happened to get him over 1,000 receiving yards for the year making him the first Ram to hit that mark since Torrey Holt in 2007. Putting aside what I think about Britt leaving the game due to a shoulder injury he's had all season just after he hits the 1,000-yard mark in a contract year, put that aside. Fact is, when Britt left the game, the comatose Rams offense went into full-fledged cardiac arrest. And so... 14 points ahead, with just six minutes left in the game, the Rams couldn't keep the chains moving and allowed San Francisco to drive the length of the field twice to score touchdowns against a physically and emotionally exhausted Rams defense. When Colin Kaepernick scored on a two-point conversion with 30 seconds left in the game, the Rams theoretically could have marched down the field for a game-running field goal, especially after a good kickoff return by Farrell Cooper, but... Richard Robinson intercepted an out route that Jared Goff intended for Brian Quick, who flailed vaguely in the direction of the ball, an unflattering look we've grown accustomed to from Quick these past four seasons. Playing against the league's worst defense statistically, Goff completed just 11 passes for a paltry 90 yards making him the first Rams starting quarterback to throw for fewer than 100 yards since Kellen Clemens on Christmas Eve Day 2011. Not the Christmas tradition Rams fans were hoping for. 
After the game, Jason Whitlock tweeted, Jared Goff is the sober Ryan Leaf. Fuck. Hey. Dead part. Dead part. The Rams concluded the season on New Year's Day at the Coliseum against division rival Arizona Cardinals in front of 80,729, including Britney Spears, gubernatorial candidate Rosie Greer, and Eric Dickerson, who earlier in the season vowed he wouldn't attend another home game until Jeff Fisher was fired. The Rams managed to place the ultimate exclamation point on an invective-laden season filled with exclamation points with their seventh straight loss with a final score of 44-6. to The Rams failed to score a touchdown for the fifth time this season. They failed to score 11 points for the ninth time this season. Jared Goff concluded the 2016 season with a passer rating of 63.6. In the seven games he started, he didn't win a game. He completed only one pass of 40-plus yards. He threw five touchdowns and seven interceptions. From his debut in Week 11 to the finale in Week 17, the 2016 number one overall draft pick had the fewest yards per attempt, the second-worst total QBR, the fourth-lowest completion percentage, and the fourth-worst touchdown-to-interception ratio. Todd Gurley entered the game just 155 yards shy of 1,000 on the season, but had his worst performance of the year, carrying the ball 14 times for just 40 yards, looking like a shadow of his rookie self. Pro Football Focus even wondered whether the Rams may have in fact broken him. Jamon Brown seemed to suggest after the game that Gurley and the offensive line were on different pages throughout the season. Gurley's post-game interviews were depressing. Sometimes seemed like he was hiding behind his dreads, the way Ricky Williams used to hide behind his tinted helmet visor. In a totally crazed moment after the Seattle loss last month, he even agreed to fistfight a fantasy owner abusing him about his production on Twitter. Is it his coaching? Is it his blocking? Or is Gurley himself responsible for his steep decline in 2016? Was the face of the franchise, the would-be millennial version of Kobe Bryant, blinded by the Hollywood spotlight? One final thought about the 2016 season. The Rams were really lucky. That's right. The Rams were really lucky. They were among the least injured teams of the 2016 season. Tremaine Johnson missed part of the Buffalo Bills game and then the Lions and Giants games, which I guess could have cost the team a loss or two. And of course, Robert Quinn missed seven games, but the Rams almost expect that to happen. But other than that, the football gods sort of smiled upon the Rams in 2016. Plus, if you look at their four wins, at least three required sensational plays at the very end of the game that involved some degree of luck. Think of Christine Michael fumbling in Rams territory to end the Seahawks' drive. 
Jameis Winston hesitating before being tackled five yards before a game-winning touchdown run for Tampa Bay. Drew Stanton being intercepted in the end zone in the final moments of the win in Arizona. And Alec Ogletree saving the game with a really incredible interception at the two-minute warning in New Jersey against the Jets. At least three of the wins really could have swung the other way. In two of them, the Rams didn't even score a touchdown. Now, to be fair, a couple of the Rams' losses weren't quite convincing losses. Maybe the Detroit one where Fisher tried to bang it in at the one instead of taking a field goal before the half, then they lose by three. That could have been a win. And maybe the Bills game when Fisher calls for a fake punt and the Bills stop Bradley Marquez on the Rams' 25 with 341, trailing only 23-19 at the time. That could have been a win. This... I guess could have been a 6-10 and team, but keep in mind, this could easily have been a 1-15 team. There was one other bit of luck the Rams had this year, the ineptitude of the Cleveland Browns, who kept the Rams from being the national joke that they probably could have been and maybe should have been. The Rams really need to confront the fact that even at 4-12, and they were extremely lucky in 2016. They should not take that luck for granted moving forward into next season. The way, say, they took for granted the state of the offensive line and their wide receivers core this past season. So, the Rams' first season back in Los Angeles is over. I want to thank those of you who stuck with us throughout the sometimes unnerving season We knew it was going to be a Hollywood return. We just didn't know it would be a horror film. Thank you for listening to The Greatest Show on Grass. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate it, then review it on iTunes. And recommend it to the Rams fans in your lives, whether they've been rooting for the team for 30 years or one year.